We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of Excel Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. Excel represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. We believe all online services should be birthed from the Lord's localized ministries. We want you to know you have our permission to download and or forward this media to a hurting world. We live in troubling times. As global crises come and go, we need to be reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ is attempting to gain our attention, and we need to listen. Our media outreach, I Am Media Productions, demonstrates compassion in action. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message.
Lord Jesus, we come before you today on behalf of the saints that are caught up or struggling within churches that you classify as dead. I remember what you said to the Sardis church. They had a reputation of being alive, but in reality they were dead. God, you asked them to wake up and strengthen the things that remain. Lord God, there are true, authentic, indwelt saints who are trapped in dead churches. And I know they need to be revived in Christ Jesus. I know without question that you will reach them if they want to. God, when you said to the Sardis church that they claimed to be a church that was alive, but you said in your sight that they were deceived, you urged each of these Christians that were in the dead church to repent and to be made alive again in Christ Jesus. Father, it's through your Holy Spirit that we can experience a true revival, not just as an individual body member in Christ, but the fellowships that we are a part of could be revived, become active, and sharper than a two-edged sword in culture. We pray, O Father, that these people will listen and hear. I understand, Lord God, what you meant by a calloused heart or a calloused mind. That when absolute truth is spoken to them, they cannot hear the full truth. I also understand that it is the Spirit of the living God that makes a decision through you on whether someone is indeed going to listen. But Father, I understand that is your business. It is not our business. You are the one who decides. I remember the time when you said to Moses that you are the one that hardened the heart of the Pharaoh. And you went on to explain that the purpose of this was to set the captives free. While I know this is a difficult truth to understand, Lord, I truly believe that the remnant that is within these dead churches can be redeemed and made alive in their thinking and believing and come back to absolute truth, your Son. We are blessed, we are honored to be called your church. And we believe that it is your church that will usher in, maintain the security of believers in our final end times. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for always being faithful and present in our lives today. And it is in your holy name we pray. Amen. Welcome to our weekly online church service. We're on a journey. 
to journey through the book of Revelation. Our main theme, unfolding the power of prophecy. We are honored that you have decided to join us. Expect to be challenged and blessed. Most Christians today avoid the study of this book. We refuse to be a part of such a group. The Lord has blessed us with a deep understanding of His prophecies. We pray that all who listen today will be motivated to study His final words to the churches. Today, we begin our lesson on Sardis, the dead church. This is number 16 within our series. Please feel free to contact me personally if you have any questions. You can reach me at Dr. Finney, that's D-R-P-H-I-N-N-E-Y, at IOMAmerica.org. Let's get started. Let's quickly review our passage for today. It's Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says to the angel of the church of Sardis, write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the hands that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed, In the sight of my God, so remember what you have received and heard, and keep it, and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not spoiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the seven churches. Sardis. In the church of Sardis, Protestantism is the primary force of power. Whereas in the church of Thyatira, the Roman papacy was in full rule. These churches overlap each other to this very day. The Reformation was certainly used by God to bridge the gap between the Roman rule church and the free church. And in many respects, the Reformation brought the true church back to its original position and condition. Now think about that. These early churches were heavily influenced by the Roman State Church. Over a period of time, the Roman State Church actually became church history. And through the Reformation period, God reset what the original church was supposed to look like. Sardis, of course, is in the modern-day Turkey. The city of Sardis is about 27 miles south of Thyatira. It was the capital of Kingdom of Lydia. Lydia actually arose as a Neo-Hittite. Now, Neo-Hittite is the people of Ham. Of course, Ham's the son of Noah. So this Neo-Hittite kingdom, following the collapse of the Hittite Empire, 
in the 20th century BC. Later, Herodotus renamed Lydians after their king, Lydius, son of Attis. The Hebrew term Lydians, as found in Jeremiah 46, verse 9, is considered to be derived from Lud, the son of Shem, son of Noah. In biblical times, Lydian warriors were also famous for being archers. The Bible mentions Lud in three different places. The only instance generally agreed to refer to the Antolian Lydia occurs in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 19. Lud is actually listed with the Javan as being one of the people who draws the bow. Once Cyrus conquered Sardis, the Lydian Empire came to an end. This once proud and central city became no more. God literally wiped it off the face of the earth. History books tell us that by 1850, not one single person was found living in Sardis. Thus, the new city of Sart was found. Not only were the Christians dead, the entire community died. Reviewing a part of our passage, To the angels of the church of Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive but you are dead. First of all, let's talk about what are these seven spirits of God. Throughout the New Testament, we hear of one spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the living spirit of God. Living spirit of God. It's the spirit that lives in him. We are all baptized into this spirit. Although Revelation repetitively talks about the seven spirits, The spirits are used to assure us of the completeness, the fullness, and the diversified actions and ministries of the one and only Holy Spirit. Like the nature of God, he reveals to us the divine purpose of each of these spirits. They all have a direct purpose and calling. The fullness of the spirit is in Christ. We can be very certain of the fact that when Christ is standing in the midst of the seven churches and holding their seven stars or angels, he is in full power over them and meets the church's needs by way of them. John not only talks about the seven spirits of God, he also speaks of the seven angels, stars of the churches. The stars are the points of light, the light bearers of the local assemblies. The assignment for the angels is to shine Christ into an assembly or a community. They serve like stars in the night. Their purpose is for light and truth. Each of the seven churches were assigned a specific ministry to accomplish the mission God gave to each of the seven angels of the Lord. God rarely, if ever, speaks in general terms. Most, I believe, of his actions are specific and ordained with a particular mission assigned to each, especially when it comes to the spirits, angels, 
and leaders of this holy church, the body of Christ. Sardis carried a reputation of being a church that was alive, although God points out very clearly it's just a reputation, and in reality they're dead as a doornail, or should I say church doornail. Sardis took advantage of man looking upon the outward appearance and forgot that God looks upon the inside of man or man's heart. In modern times, we are quite guilty of this, each one of us. Big churches, nice clothes, published books, radio television ministries, fancy houses, and believe it or not, ministers are being ushered around in limousines. It gives a grave appearance that they are popular and productive in the Christian world when, in reality, they are dead. If you look around today, we have the largest buildings of worship and the biggest ministerial budgets. But yet financial reports show we are born more in debt as Christians than all the churches, ministries, and fellowship believers in the world collectively. Most American churches are one offering away from being homeless. In fact, your average church would have no idea how to function as a church without their church buildings. The most ignored and rejected Christian groups in America are those who meet in homes, which happens to be the original way that the first-generation churches met and functioned. So here's my question. If by some prophetic reason the local church would lose their buildings, what would the traditional church do? Well, I'll tell you exactly what they would do. They would join the state-approved world religious place of worship. That list can presently be found by checking out the World Council of Churches. It is what we view today as the modern ecumenical society. Most theologians regard the Reformation as the most significant blessing to the Christian faith, while declaring the biggest hindrance to the Roman papacy. It needs to be noted that the primary difference between Reformation and the movement of Protestantism is very critical. The Reformation was God's divine work to establish the three final churches stated in the book of Revelation. Protestantism is a man-made system which proved itself to be dead. The initial act of Reformation was for God to break the true church away from the Roman state, church, and empire. The church of Sardis may be labeled as asleep, but know this, Satan's not asleep. He is active in working with the church today to deaden them to hearing the voice of the Lord, which causes them to fall asleep in their faith. The Reformation leaders would roll over in their graves if they saw their sacrifice for the original message had gone lethargic. Their efforts of reestablishing the original church was not meant for the establishment of denominations. Their passion was to unite the body of Christ under one banner. The Church of Philadelphia, not the Roman State Church, is the model that Christ himself originally gave us through this church. But because of the Roman State influence, Many of our seven churches were consumed by their beliefs and ideologies. Protestantism did not promote corruption. 
or the immorality seen in the Middle Ages, but rather it produced a spiritual lethargy within the church, what Christ now calls the dead church. The Sardis church was alive in reputation only. Lethargy is required to be rooted in a human soul before spiritual death can take the soul. Remember when he said, wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of God. We are commanded by the Lord to wake up, to be sober until the final hour. We are not to be slumbering like many of the fake Christians. Do you ever wonder how many believers are actually watching, praying, and eagerly awaiting the coming of our groom? The second coming of Jesus is the only truth that can stir the hearts and minds of true believers in preparing the way for the Lord. According to our passage, there's not much zeal left in the church of Sardis. But we have to say this, for what's left, Christ is requesting this body to strengthen the things which remain. So the pieces of truth that are scattered on the floors of Sardis churches, those are the pieces we need to gather up and strengthen. When Jesus said to us, so remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come. Well, the Lord is asking the church to remember what you, what I have received. Hold on to it and repent of any and all attitudes or actions that produce death in the soul. The commission here is if they do not, he will come in a moment to only gather the authentic and true believers within this church. Those who did not wake up will not be part of such a rescue, which we classically refer to it as the rapture. The truth being revealed here is the Christians of slumber are not actually indwelt born-again Christians, but are those who live off Christianity and live off of the Christianity of others. And this number, I can assure you, will be great. Remembering what Jesus said in our passage, but you have a few people in Sardis who have not spoiled their garments. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In these verses, Jesus tells us there are a faithful few who have not stained their lives with the ecumenical stains of the one world church, which I believe belongs to the Antichrist. Those who walk with Jesus in spite of their church's politics are worthy of the love and affection of Christ himself. All overcomers will wear white in the end, the garment of praise dipped in the blood of Jesus. 
Their names will be recorded in the book of life and will be proven victorious by the processing of life within that believer. Remember the story of Judas Iscariot, the disciple of Jesus, who was of the devil. How can it be that one of the disciples would be a devil? Seriously. Well, it's simple. Judas was assigned a mission to complete, even though God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit knew he was an antichrist. God has always used Satan and his forces to accomplish his end-time goals. The word is filled with such examples. Cain, Ham, Saul, Jezebel, Nebuchadnezzar, Alexander the Great, and many more. It is no different in the end times of Revelation. God uses people, places, and things of the trio of Satan, which is, by the way, Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And he uses them to purify his beloved children. The difference between salvation and reward is this. There is a distinct difference being saved from the lake of fire and receiving the full reward. Many, if not most, Christians do not like discussing the reward system of eternity. They should. In fact, they should carefully study Second John. Yes, the author is the same as the author of the book of Revelation. It is entirely possible for a person to be a true believer, but yet not receive his full reward. Just read the scriptures. In Acts 2, 47, we learn how we become bridal members of Jesus Christ. When we are saved, the Lord Jesus Christ adds us to the true church, registered in the Lamb's Book of Life. Whoever confesses before Christ that he is the Son of God, and there is or are no other gods beside God the Father, he, Christ, will confess him before his Father as a true bridal member of the eternal groom of heaven. Now that's what I call a marriage made in heaven. It's not too late to repent of our deadness. We can be made alive in Christ Jesus. Only a faithful few of the entire assembly of Sardis were overcomers. Let us be some of those faithful few who are overcomers of the world, the flesh, and the schemes of the devil. It has been an honor to serve you today. It is our hope that this message stimulates an eternal revival through his indwelling life. Always remember, the Word of God lives in you, for he is the Word. When you study the complex book of Revelation, count on this. The Spirit will bring it alive and give you understanding from the throne of God. Until next time.